Prado looking, throws it, alley, oh, he puts it down, he puts it down, it's over! Welcome in to a breaking emergency just basketball show, Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks. I understand that was a lot of value, a lot of energy, but holy frick, Damian Lillard is teaming with Giannis in Milwaukee. Big, big trade. Dame is finally traded not to Toronto, not to Miami, not to Chicago, Milwaukee. Here's the parameters of the trade. Brennan and I will break this down shortly. Bucks, Damian Lillard, Portland gets Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, to generally, I don't know who that is, but good for them. Milwaukee's 2029 first round, unprotected first round pick. Woo. And unprotected pick swaps with the Bucks in 2028 and 2030. The Phoenix Suns, meanwhile, get Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, and Nazir Little, and Keon Johnson. Lots to get into here. We're going to go team by team. We're going to start with the Bucks. We'll go to Portland, and then we'll finish with the Phoenix Suns. I think Brennan's going to need a, a, a little bit of a palate cleanser before I talk about the Phoenix Suns in this context again. But to start, the Milwaukee Bucks, Brendan, for me, they just got better. A lot to figure out. I have some defensive questions. But to me, this is the new favorite of the Eastern Conference. I love the pairing of Dame and Giannis, and I love this for Dame, I think, even more than I do the Milwaukee, I would have the Miami fit. Hmm. I like the fit quite a bit. I think that this is a very, very fun place for him to land. This is way more exciting than Toronto would have been. Obviously, I think goes without saying, a little more exciting than uh, <laughs> than Chicago would have been. You know, Utah, Brooklyn, whatever. Like this, this one coming out of nowhere was not a disappointing what the hell type of thing where they're sending him to some faraway land and you know whatever the French did to Napoleon or whatever all that type of thing. This was a straight up improvement a a home run hit by the milwaukee bucks at a time again when Giannis is extension eligible and we'll get to the portland part but you know a trade that makes sense i guess in theory so on the bucks side i think you're absolutely right that it it comes with some defensive concerns but the place that i start is three years ago well, two, two calendar years the last time the bucks were at the peak of their powers they obviously won the nba championship and chris middleton was extremely healthy playing at the probably best he's ever played and the Middleton Giannis two-man game was unstoppable right and you add an offensive player in Damian Lillard who is better than either of them and compliments them extremely well because of what he can do that they can't pull up three-point shooting you know being small and being able to pass and having the quickness to get downhill, a lot of those things that they just had lacked on this team for a really long time, you now have a lot of opportunities to put your best players together in pretty simplistic offensive actions that are going to be nearly impossible to stop. And so maybe schematically it'll it'll require a little more change than it would have with like Miami, which is why maybe I would say it's not quite as great of a fit. We haven't quite seen small guards succeed in this environment the way we have with the Heat. So I'm ready to be proven that this is a home run, amazing, awesome fit. I think 
it it does bring some questions, but it also does feel really natural on the offensive end in a way that makes me really excited to just like turn these guys on and watch them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is the type of breath of fresh air that their offense has sorely, sorely needed. And the one that I think you and I talked about plenty where I was yelling at the Bucks to do something all off season and they did it. They literally did the biggest possible swing they could have done is where this goes. I look at I look at Dame and I think about how teams defended Drew Holiday, who I love. And we'll talk about him and I think where he could go later. Mm-hmm. If there's a weakness in Drew Holiday's game and what makes him an imperfect fit when you're going to play two bigs often and you have Giannis, even when you go small, is that teams are just going to go under every screen on him in the big moments. To his credit... When they won the title, he made enough of those shots, and he has, in big moments, come up big on offense in a way that has supported what has worked there. He's been awesome for them. They do not win a title without Drew. But how the hell, Brendan, are defenses now going to game plan for a Dame Giannis pick and roll? I don't know yeah, how you unguardable. do it. Dame is going to kill you from deep threes. He has incredible ability to get to the midi if he needs to. He's a good, he's a good, a good passer enough to get Giannis easy looks. Giannis is going to have easier time rolling to the rim than he's maybe ever had. Like that pairing, even if I think there are some defensive questions about subbing out Drew for Dame and where Chris Middleton is at defensively and Brooks another year older and all of that stuff, the offensive upside of that duo and what that is going to foster for the rest of that offense to me is just, it's limitless. I This is an offense that had some changes obviously coming. You don't have Mike Budenholzer there anymore. You have Adrian Griffin in as the new head coach. We've seen the offense at times just be a little stop and go. That just literally isn't going to happen now with Dame. Dame is 33. Is is there is it possible that there is some fall off there? Sure, but this last year he was all NBA. Had 71 in a game. And the Bucks offense is going to, it was 13th last year according to the clean of the glass. Just less than a point per 100 possessions above league average. Even if the defense, which was fourth last year, drops to like eighth, yeah, the offense is going to go to like top five. This team's going to whip. I, I am so enthusiastic. Maybe it's in the moment a little bit, but I would be so enthusiastic about this if I'm the Bucks and believing in what could come here. And it's just, it's bold, and I love I love a bold swing. Yeah, I think what's cool about it is it's going to make Lillard's life easier and the Bucks' life easier, right? It, it's kind of rare, I guess you could say, in that way where there will be some adjustment, but there's such an overlap in the Venn diagram of like Bucks' needs and Lillard's strengths, right? And that's why I think offensively it, it is going to be seamless once they just get the reps together. You even look at some of the more granular ways that I think that will happen. One, um, you mentioned Drew Holiday and some of the weaknesses in his game, but what's funny is this past year, the reason he made his second All-Star team ever is because he started to bomb away and honestly play a little bit more like Damian Lillard, you know? And take pull-up threes, have the ball in his hands more partially because Middleton was injured, partially because their depth wasn't quite what it had been and, and all the rest, but you're getting a guy who you don't have to wonder if it's a fluke. That's what Lillard will bring for you. 
And even with that, their offense still was only 13th. So they're still in need. They turned the ball over quite a bit this past year, and they did not get to the free throw line. Dame does not turn the ball over nearly as much as a lot of other high-volume guards like him. And aside from two year, two seasons ago when he only played like 30 games and had the abdomen stuff, he gets to the line a ton, way more than any of their guards ever have. Obviously, Giannis gets to the line, and, and Middleton can, and Portis, and whatever. But they've never had a guard who can consistently do that. So, yeah. Yeah, whether it's the two-man game or even just you think about from Lillard's standpoint, when has he ever had a team where they can play five out or actually put shooters around him? I mean, this guy's best team was with McCollum, who is that, but otherwise, you know, Mo Harkless, Al Farouk Aminu, Yusuf Nurkic, like that was the best formation of a roster that Lillard's ever played against. He's going to be able to go to Milwaukee now and have lineups where, you know, it's him, Middleton, Connaughton, Giannis, and Lopez, and they run a, a Lillard pick and roll, and Lopez is spacing, Middleton is spacing, Connaughton is spacing, or whoever they put out there, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of his efficiency numbers jump up as well, so it is a pretty cool opportunity for, for everybody involved here to change, but in a positive way. Um, on the side of, of some of the concerns, and I have a bigger picture point to this shift that I think it actually does align with what we're seeing around the league, Chris, but the, the kind of reallocation of resources to more of the offensive side of the floor, is there a player who you think of that kind of becomes more of an X factor now on this roster? Is there a specific set of things that you think they need to address with how they play or who else they might add along the course of the season based on the fact that they switched out one of the best perimeter defenders for honestly one of the worst in this trade yeah i i think you know brooke lopez i think and where he's at i think becomes more important it already was really important but this is a 35 year old brooke lopez i mean you have to hope he can sustain another all-defense-level season, and that becomes a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Now, I think they also, too, Brennan, need to hit on some of their wings. Like, this could be an opportunity for Marjan Bochamp to step up. He's going to need to defend. He has to be someone that not only can get buckets, but be a big wing defender for them and cover for some of that. Um, You're going to need a good season out of Jay Crowder, I think, which feels a little bit risky at this point. That's the place I was going to go, honestly, that I, I, I wouldn't expect a lot of people to catch on to because I don't know how many remember he's even on this team because he didn't play and then all of a sudden they actually decided to give him a a guaranteed minimum contract and bring him back but he feels like the obvious if you're just sort of like hey our our team defense is going to maybe need to make up for some of the lesser parts because we don't have a game-breaking matchup like Richard Sherman type of NBA defender like Holiday can be how do we fix that we we play better team defense and maybe adjust our scheme to be a little bit more conservative and, and switch less and do whatever um he feels like uh, an obvious guy they also lost Grayson allen in this trade I, which we said at the mm-hmm. top but that's a big part of what we're talking about so i think pat Connaughton has been important for this team but i don't know if he'll necessarily play more but i would imagine that he's in more of their best lineups than maybe he used to be just because they won't have a ton of other options in terms of two-way wings who can knock down shots I mean, Malik Beasley is now an important piece for them. Like, they're going to need him to be a rotation piece for them and make shots. And, like, he's not a defender in a way that I think will kind of behoove and and help them navigate some of the the losses that you're going to feel without Drew. But he's going to be – like, he's going to need to play. I mean, I think particularly if Bochamp is up and down – 
he's 26. Like, mm-hmm. Beasley's 26, Bochim's 22. If you're going to tell me at a certain point that you need the 26-year-old just to be stable enough. Yeah, I, especially I in the regular sense. season. Absolutely. Just in, you know, I don't, I, this team probably doesn't have other trades in it. Like, there's, I don't look, you know, unless you're going to flip Portis or something like that, which I can't imagine yeah. they'd really want to do. This is kind of their team now, barring buyouts and stuff. Yeah. And this they had one move, think, and this was a hell of a one to do, right? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is as, again, as bold as you possibly could go. Uh, Brendan, before we move on to, the next team here uh, to, to talk about the Portland side of this and and how and what mm-hmm. they're getting back. Our friends at BetMGM here are the title odds and the East odds right now after this trade. Bucks are plus four hundred to win the title. They are plus one seventy five to win the East. The Celtics, by comparison, plus five hundred to win it all, plus two twenty five to win the East. Sixers then it's plus six fifty to win the East. Cavs at plus nine hundred. Heat at plus twelve hundred. Knicks at plus eighteen hundred. And the Hawks plus three thousand. That's the East title odds: Nuggets plus four seventy five, Celtics. Who I mentioned Suns plus six fifty, Lakers plus twelve hundred, Warriors plus fourteen hundred. I think today, if you asked me, mm-hmm. who is the t- favorite to win the title? I think I would go Milwaukee, even with some concerns. I don't look at any of these teams and think that it's a clear cut favorite. I think in the East, in particular. The top of the East has so much potential dysfunction and change built into it with what what Boston's metamorphosis with this trade for Milwaukee. Like, there's a lot of shakiness in there, right? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Who did you think it was before this? Did it change? Did you think it was was Milwaukee and now it's like super Milwaukee? Or was there another team you had and this, this changed it for you? I was probably like 51, 52 Milwaukee and then like 46 Boston and then like 2% the field somewhere in there and now i'm probably like 60 percent milwaukee yeah i i mean i guess we'll, we'll probably talk about miami uh later but they they had been who i had penciled in as the favorite because i just i did really like the fit they're gonna get with lillard there yeah if he had gone i think that that fit was as i alluded to a little bit easier to picture so i just thought that they would hit the ground running Obviously, he's not going there. That team's not going to be in the conversation, in my opinion. Although, you know, uh, we'll all have egg on our face again when they do it once more next spring, and we watch them come they'll back lose, from the dead. The, and, yeah, and they'll make lose it. to the bull. They'll lose to the bulls, and then they'll yeah. you know make the finals again. That's how this works. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is a, an opportunity to just hit on it here because I, I have it in our notes, and I think you mentioned Boston, and, and it's a good jumping off point, but. Every NBA contender, Chris, that made a major deal this offseason, besides you could you could convince me either direction on Memphis, prioritized offense. Chris Porzingis, the Bradley Beal trade for Phoenix, as well as this trade for Phoenix, the... I guess Denver didn't necessarily shift its identity, but they've been leaning offense. Chris Paul to the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, the Lakers, uh, I would say probably you would, you know, Christian Wood bringing back D'Angelo Russell like they, on the whole, leaned offense. They definitely didn't try to go bring in some defensive center to play next to AD or anything. And I'm sure there's examples I'm not even thinking of. Um, the Clippers I mean, even, even chasing James Harden, right? Like well, yeah. everywhere yeah. around well, the league, offense was the name of the game. And I wonder if you, where you think that's coming from and if you think the answer to that question is just Nikola Jokic won the title and teams are scrambling to keep up. 
I think it's a really good question. Um, one I wish I would have thought of myself, if I'm being honest. I think my gut answer would be looking at how the game is being played right now and how it's being officiated and, and what the skill sets are. And I think it is a more offensive-oriented league. I think it's in the rules. I think it's in how guys are playing. I think this, the star, like the, the amount of like truly game-changing defenders, it doesn't feel as super high at times and i also think it, those guys are even getting embarrassed at certain points like they're if you watch jaron jackson tape draymond green tape evan mobley tape Giannis tape whatever marcus smart tape these guys are still going to get busted up sometimes because the offensive skill is so high and i think if you look or at drew number one or i drew, mean this yeah. exact situation we don't have you know like he got he got punked by jimmy butler in that in that series yeah, I think the offensive is kind of like not that I still think you need a competent defense to win a title. I don't think you can be yeah. a team that can't get stops and can't muck the game up in that way. I think it's you need to be able to go to that place to win a title. I mean, the Heat obviously did it and they, they put together defenses to, to win things. I think it, it some of the best net ratings of the league last year were led by teams with really good defenses. Yeah. But I think if you look I think if you look at the offensive part of it. I think that's just the, the, the skill. The skill at the top of the league is so skewed towards the offensive side right now. Like all of your best guys, even if there are guys with two-way skill, someone like Shea, for example, he's sure. tilting way more towards the offensive end than he is the defensive end at this point because the usage and the energy level on that end of the floor is up here and the defense slips in, in a certain way then, right? So I, I think that's yeah. to me it. And I think Jokic probably is that to some degree. It's like... To beat Denver, I think every team is probably looking at Denver and saying, okay, like we can't necessarily stop them. Like it's going to be really hard to actually contain that team over seven games or any of the best teams, right? So what do we need to do? We need to improve our spacing. We need to be on guard. We need to be our own version of unguardable and then pair it with a defense yeah. that is, is still really good, but maybe not we're banking everything on the defense coming first. Even if coaches, like I'm sure Adrian Griffin is going to be like, you know, we're, we need to defend at a high level, right? Like we know like he's, uh, these coaches are still going to say that, but I think it's just the offensive talent and the way the game is played is skewed towards that in such an extreme way. And I think Milwaukee probably looks at it, looked at itself in the mirror and was like, what is our weakness? What is going to hold us back? It's that our offense could get mucked up here. Dame solves yeah. all of our issues with that in theory. Yeah, definitely gets them a lot closer. I mean, I think to add to that, uh, the only addition that I would make, because I think it's undeniable that the league works that way uh, in 2023. But, you know, we just came off of a season where we spent all year talking about inflation of numbers. Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, Giannis himself, all these guys scoring 50, 60, 70 points consistently in a way that we just had not seen. So um, I always think back, the best explanation of that side of things that I heard last year was from Jeff Van Gundy. And I think it was on Zach Lowe's podcast and, and his like most granular observation of, of why that had happened outside of the rules and the three-point increase in and all that stuff is how many teams and how many players on those teams are able to just put the ball in one guy's hands and say like do your thing right like how many players in the nba in 2023 can grab a rebound run it up the court and you get a good enough offensive possession out of that like i think 
a ton. And so, but what I think the Jokic part of it comes in is that he has no weaknesses. And so then the team has no weaknesses. And so I think what you saw with a lot of these moves is teams trying to basically address the fact that like, we need to have answers for everything. We need to have a way to play small. We need to have a way to play with spacing. We need to have guys who can score in isolation. We need to have times when our star players just cook, but other times we have to insulate them, whatever. So, you know, like the Porzingis trade, I think is a great example. It's like maybe Jason Tatum's not good enough to just go out there and and score 40 with hands in his face getting pushed around for 48 minutes. But if we make life a little bit easier on him, even though we've been a defensively oriented team in the past, that might be uh, the way to go about it. So I don't know. It's going to be something interesting to continue to watch, but it is an undeniable trend when you think about all the examples we gave. And now this one maybe being the biggest of just the way that the Raptors won in 2019 or the Celtics almost won in 2022, where it's like, everything's defense and you have just enough shot making. Like, I don't know if that's going to work, even though as recently as that it did. Yeah. When I, and I think the last thing I think to say about this, if you look in the East, if you look at the teams that they're going to play, I think they just became harder to guard for Boston, for Philly, for Cleveland, for New York. Right. But what are all those teams also going to do now that they weren't, weren't, that was really hard for them to, to do, for example, like I'll use Cleveland as the example because I was thinking about this today after this trade. Mm-hmm. Drew Holiday caused like a lot of havoc in a way that very few guards were able to do against Mitchell and Garland last year. As much as I'm sure Damian Lillard is not going to be too super bothered by guarding, be guarded by Mitchell or Garland, and I'm sure the Cavs are going to have some wonky things to have to figure out there. You know who's going to be really excited to attack Damian Lillard on switches and when they force them? Even if Giannis is waiting, it's going to be Damian. It's going to be Donovan Mitchell. The the Celtics, for what we know that offense is, you know how many times we're going to see Tatum and Brown try to get Dame isoed and go at him. It's going to happen a lot, and Dame's going to have to go through that rigor if this is going to work. He doesn't have to be great at it. I don't expect him to be great or even good at it, but it has to be good enough. And the scheme around him, with Giannis, with Brook, with Jay Crowder, with Pat Connaughton, with Whomever with with Bochy, whoever it's going to be, those guys are going to have to step up and provide some of that infrastructure for Dame to to allow for the the upside you're getting on the other side for that risk. I think to pay off as much as it is a risk, I think mm-hmm. that's that's where the the concern would be for me is that in that specific vein. Yeah, and going to be fun to watch how Giannis adjusts his game because I think the ball will be in his hands less. I think he will be a screener less. I think it's it's another one of those things where it's it's for the betterment, but it is going to be a change, and, and that's going to make this team super fun to watch. Uh, Portland. Is DeAndre Ayton the best centerpiece? They've made DeAndre Ayton the centerpiece of this trade. That is the decision that Joe Cronin made. I think he wanted OG Ananobi. That didn't happen. Did you did see, not want way, Tyler Hero? Did you see the? It got aggregated, so I haven't said read the exact thing. And sometimes these things can be like a game of telephone. But did you see the the reporting from Sean Hyken, who does a great job at you know Rose City Report and like does the does a pod Blazers versus Bulls with our with our guy Eric Gunderson? Did you see the how he had someone describe Masai Ujiri to him? Did you see this? No. Let me pull. I'll, you you talk, and then I, I'm going to pull this up and read it back to you because it made me it made me giggle a little bit. Thought you had it there. Um, no, the, I, I thought of it when you said when you the said the Aiton thing. I, yeah, yeah. So 
Ananobi is a no. Hero, they don't want. And I think the reason you heard the Suns angle of this pick up so much steam in the past week or so is because I think Portland glommed on to that option. They clearly thought that of all of the possibilities, bringing in a center with as much athleticism and, and fit with their young guards, plus theoretical upside at age 25 to get better, was the best that they were going to do. Let's talk about the basketball fit of what Portland got first, I think, because we've been talking about the asset side mm-hmm. all summer. But Aiton plus whatever they're going to get for Holiday, which we will talk about later as well, I don't, I, I personally don't love the upside of that haul. But if their primary motivation was get good value and get a player back who fits well with our young guys, I do think Aiton will provide that. I think he will make that team better on both ends by way of being seven feet tall, athletic, and, and, and experienced. So I think that's right. I think if you're going to tell me that if while you have Simons on a pretty cheap deal considering Scoot's just starting out, the rest of your roster is not that expensive. If you want to like have DeAndre on this contract right now, you can afford to do it, and I think it does give you some stability at the center position, and and maybe a change of scenery does Aiden some good. I don't know. We'll see. This will be a test for him, but I think this is like a good chance for him to reestablish himself a little bit. What I don't, I guess what I in the twenty twenty nine first round pick is really good. That's potentially like an amazing. That's six years down the road. Dame will Dame will be thirty nine. When that pick conveys, mm-hmm. and Giannis like will be what thirty six or something, like like there's a very good chance that's a very good pick. So okay, whatever. I don't see like that, and, and we don't know. I mean, there's been some reporting since that like OG was never actually offered, and dangled was the word I saw. Yeah. The Heat, you know, I I still like what was the Heat's final offer? I don't know. I don't think the Bulls did anything, but it's like you didn't get. You know, you didn't get like what like Lowry Marketing went to Utah last summer. You didn't get that level of guy even now, like in the trade. Marketing had like this all NBA upside and really interesting skill set. You got some more picks. You didn't get like overwhelmed by this. Even if you try to I think through, people you know, feel I think that if we put ourselves in the time machine. Yeah. I would say Aiton and Markinen are at least even. And one of them's paid significantly less and that's has been in the league less time. Sure. So, yeah, I don't know. I know you had an up close thing with Markinen, but I think league wide, people were pretty done with him. Like, I don't think that there was like maybe he'll turn into an all star. I don't think anyone was saying. I mean, I don't. I don't think I saw that. I mean, to be fair, like I don't think I saw what happened coming. Maybe I don't even Mm -hmm. know Markinen really did, but like I thought, like you saw something with him outside of Chicago that I think really worked, and I was like, oh, that's just like a good NBA player that can do stuff. Okay. That's kind like I, but they didn't get this. You're right that that Portland, they didn't get somebody with the offensive upside. I think that's the difference yeah. between those two guys. That as I would say, it is like Markinen can create offense, and we kind of knew that. It was just a matter of at what level. Aiton can't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and like is Aiton ever going to? That's be, very different. Aiton, is Aiton ever going to like be like Markinen was like an All NBA caliber player last year? I don't know if Aiton's ever going to hit that ceiling. Right, like you, if there is no. a two percent chance it happens, like third third team All NBA is like it's a high bar, but I don't see him getting there. I 
I very much just like them clean. Like, I think there's going to be a benefit to them just clearing out for this group. And I think over time that will pay dividends. I'm curious to see like how the coaching situation works over time and, and what happens with their other draft picks and how they continue to reshape this roster in some way. Yeah. I think Aiden as like a center for your young guys, I even if you're paying him a lot more, I like that versus Nurkic. Like I just prefer like having Aiden as my five. And I think that, again, that kind of center, I think you're right, that that's a good thing for Scoot. That's a good thing for Simon. That's a good thing for Shaden Sharp. Mm-hmm. But they didn't get like that's not a blue chip return for your best player. Yeah, but were they going to? Yeah, well, sure, but that's a timing thing, right? More so than it is yeah. a did they maximize it this summer type of thing? Because I just I don't think I mean Grady Dick might have been the centerpiece from Toronto, Miami. It's you know the best player you're getting back is whoever ends up having the best career out of like Jovic, Hakez, and Martin, you yeah, know? And so like, like I, I, and we saw what Bradley Beal went for, which, which wasn't a lot. Like I just, I think that their, their hand was kind of dealt a little bit there already. So I don't know. I, I think this is kind of a, a disappointing haul for Portland, but I don't know how much better they could have done at the end. Yeah. Look, we don't, if OG wasn't on the table, and we don't exactly even know like how many of those young guys from Miami were on the table. Like we don't really exactly know what a concrete Miami offer was. We've just kind of talked about like what it should be, I think, right? Like we've just kind of projected yeah. what that should well, be. Do we want to talk about Miami next or do we want to talk about Drew landing spots next? Because I think those are the, the the two logical forks well off can, of the I, the package conversation. I just want to say just definitively, winner in this trade. Uh, Scoot Henderson. I just think this is good for him. And I just want to, again, emphasize that specific point that I think this is good for Scoot as he gets started. Let's go to, let, I'm going to, let's just like combine those in a way, Brendan, because I think Miami is not an uninteresting Drew Holiday Atlantic spot. Yeah. Like, well, okay, let's do Drew first. So I think, to your point, anywhere that any team that was in the Lillard sweepstakes will likely call about Drew Holiday. They're not identical players but i think what makes holiday particularly interesting is that he plays the same position but he's an easier fit and he's easier to get so he's not going to up your ceiling quite as much as damian lillard but you won't have to give up as much to get him and like for instance the team i think of off the top of my head is or at the top of the list that exemplifies this is the is the knicks Mm -hmm. i don't think the knicks made sense for lillard they may, it makes much more sense to pair Brunson with, with Drew Holiday, 100%. Exactly. So I think the list might actually be longer for Holiday than it was with Dame. I think, I mean, there's there are some concerns, right? He is, they are the same age. Like, they're mm-hmm. both 33. When you, he, Dame, you kind of know the cost certainty, even if it's really high. Drew has a player option for $39 million. Is he going to, are you going to trade for him and, and get it? Like, I think that gets to be an interesting question. Well, and he's also so, talked he, about retiring after he when it was when he was a buck, he said he would likely accept that player option, play out the remaining two seasons on his contract, and then likely retire. So that's under the surface of any team that would be inquiring about getting him. Can I tell you the the so the Knicks are a good one. I think the Heat are a good one. He can just mm-hmm. be all in on that, and maybe it costs less. Um, other team that popped into mind for me: Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I don't hate that. 
I think they need a defender. Like, I just think they need a defensive piece to kind of be a bridge between Sabonis and Fox, neither of whom are strong defenders for their position. I think we saw as competitive as they got. I think that's the kind of piece that Mike Brown could really utilize. It's looking at their salary cap right now. It's getting there to the to the salary number you need to get you for them is a little tricky. Like, and that's one of going to be yeah. the hard parts of the trade. Like, and Monk and what else? Yeah, it's and it's then it's like okay, then you're also trading away like guys. I think you also would want to keep around Drew. It's like if you trade Herder and Monk, you're losing a certain yeah. energy that I think provided your team a lot last year. Um, yeah, they might not have the horses there for that. That that's, their salary is in a weird tricky. spot. Yeah, they don't have like Harrison Barnes isn't as inflated as he was last year, and where he could have just traded Harrison Barnes and your picks and been like, "All right, brother, let's get it done." Um, I th- Wouldn't be surprised if Philly got involved to try to make it a three-team thing where he Ky- can be what they get Ky- for Harden. Kyle Newbeck has already uh, had that reported. Would make a ton of sense. Really good cover for Tyrese Maxey, I think. Sure. Um, and and kind of would be cool to see him go back there. I mean, the the thing is, Drew fits Orlando. Orlando? Sure. I mean, literally, Drew Holiday fits on just about every team unless they happen to have, like, three perimeter guards slash wings who are all better than him. And, I mean, I'm not sure any team has that, you know? Like, maybe the the, the KD Curry Warriors wouldn't have traded for him. Other than that, everybody probably would sign up. But... Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, and Jared Allen? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> There it Bismack is. Biyombo. Bismack Biyombo, do you want to start at center for the Cavs? Let's go. Let me ask you this. How close... So, at the end of the day, the, the Blazers package that they got back, right, was mm-hmm. Aiton, mm-hmm. Holiday. We'll just call it Holiday mm-hmm. for right now. Yeah. And then one pick and two swaps. What do, what do the Blazers now get for Holiday? And how close to that is it? It's got to be less, I think. It will be less. Definitely. Is it like two first? I mean, is it just like two first and like bad salary? Like one unprotected and one like... Depends on what they want, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look to like for Beal, it was multiple swaps, Chris Paul and Landry Shamit. Is Holiday have better trade value than that? I think I would I would if I were to rank them as far as trade value I would go Beal, Drew or sorry Dame, Drew Beal would be third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we're looking at no matter where he goes, an, a nice addition to the hall for the Blazers. But I don't know what what's your favorite. I'm I'm not good at like getting super excited about on one landing spot, especially when the player fits so well all around it's like put him anywhere and i'll probably get pretty hyped up about it i don't know he's a fun player he does a lot of cool things like uh, yeah i mean just get him somewhere yeah. that's not portland and i'll probably get excited about it <laughs> so here here are the, the the kings one to me was was really interesting yeah. i think the Knicks one that you brought up is really interesting the one that's mm-hmm. another hard one salary wise especially if they you have they don't have the picks would be the lakers mm-hmm. i mean yeah and like you don't have D'Lo is six. You need to be D'Lo. They and can't they trade to, any like, of those guys until December. Right now, right. Mm-hmm. So like you can't have to wait till December, and like that's fine. But then it's like okay, is it like Gabe Vincent and D'Lo, and then like you still have another six million to sneak in there with like Torian Print. Like it, it gets really complicated for these kinds of trades. When when you're over thirty yeah. million, even with the salaries rising, 
it just gets really hard to find matching. Like I, I'm gonna look at the next. I need to look at the next cap sheet. That's actually going to be so. Be uh, yeah, I think the next one is is one of my favorite fits because he does a lot of what Grimes and Hart and Barrett have already and what they theoretically signed DiVincenzo to do quickly. Like they obviously like this archetype of player. I think that in the way that Tom Thibodeau plays defense, through Holiday would just be a a really game wrecker i think they would be kindred spirits to a degree um the problem is i just and this might be the perfect segue to miami like the knicks probably want to keep their their powder dry as much as they possibly can right because at the end of the day how much better is drew holiday making them is he making them a championship contender no uh so unless it was something where they could get off of randall on top of whatever that you know else then maybe. But other than that, I think that they probably just wait it out. And even though it wouldn't cost a ton to get Holiday, I just think that they don't want to mess with it. So, yeah, maybe my favorite theoretical landing spot would be the Knicks. Uh, I'll say most realistic one that I like, I'll say Philly. Yeah, Philly feels pretty realistic, especially the the three-team construction. Maybe this moves the hard market along Mm -hmm. a little bit, and we'll see. I mean, we'll do some do some fake trades come next week if we get some more reporting on that. Right, let's talk about the Heat, and then we will finish yeah. up talking about the Phoenix Suns. So, mm-hmm. uh, Brendan, I do feel like the Heat missed out here, and I and I we talked about this the other day. I really just feel like uh, I really really feel like one of the things the the Heat have misjudged where they're at. Every reporting mm-hmm. is like they believe in the team, they believe in the culture, they believe in what they are, they believe that last year wasn't a fluke. I'm sympathetic to some of that because I think the organization is is the best in the league in a lot of ways. I believe in Jimmy Butler. I love Jimmy Butler. By the way, Jimmy Butler talking about tampering is hilarious. I don't know if he was like doing that in jest or if he really, if that's a real thing, but I hope he runs with this bit for a long time and just annoys people with it. I think that's funny. Sure. Or embarrassing. One or the other. Uh, could could vacillate between the two. I just think if you – we talked about this the other day, but Jimmy's 34. Pat Riley is getting up there in age. The rest of the roster kind of is what it is. Bam's in his prime. I think at a certain point you got to just say "eff it" and go for it. Even and you're Miami. You're one of the organizations. You're one of the markets. You're one of the teams that I think can. They've proven this when they gave Dan Waiters like a, a pretty significant contract and paid Kelly Olynyk and did all that stuff for a team that really kind of overperformed. Like they they will figure it out and they always figure this out and are able to pivot even if it doesn't feel like they can. Just go get Dame, pay what it costs, and you have a much better chance of winning the, the title. And I, like I'm so, I like Hami Yaquez. I like, some, I like Jovic. Those guys are interesting. They're, it's Dame. Just go get Dame. Hmm. I think they really misread this situation as far as just not just getting this done. And, and maybe the hero thing was a stickler. Maybe they didn't put everybody in. I don't know. But there's just something here that feels off about how Miami just doesn't do whatever it takes to try to get Damon. And even if it feels like an overpay, I think it'd be worth it for a team that could absolutely go for a title. And again, it's proven itself an ability to to pivot if things don't work out. It, it's identical to what happened with the Knicks and, and Donovan Mitchell, right? I mean, it's negotiating from what you believe is a, is a position of the utmost strength and just completely misreading how the circumstances changed over the course of time. I think that the Suns ran the risk of of having this happen to them with Kevin Durant and just somewhat got lucky that Durant is like a relatively 
easygoing dude for the most part and like agreed to give it another whirl with Brooklyn and basically reset the clock on whatever the negotiations were going to be. But it's becoming a pattern and it's becoming a pattern, especially for the Miami Heat, because they were theoretically also in both of the sweepstakes I just mentioned for Mitchell and Durant last summer. And now they... Uh, theoretically also Bradley Beal although that was less up to them because it, it was based on where he wanted to go but you know if you if you want to include all those they're 0 for 4 and I don't uh, I don't know how much I'm kidding but Pat Riley's kind of the new Danny Ainge telling everybody and and I know that holds a particular source of pain for Mr. Riley as those two are, are sworn enemies and and like legitimately seem to hate the absolute shit out of one another or at least Riley toward Ainge but we all clowned Danny Ainge for like a decade in Boston when he kept telling us he was this close to trading for every superstar who ever became available and then wanted a pat on the back for somehow choosing not to do so. Well, we kept Jalen Brown. I don't care. You almost got Kawhi Leonard, theoretically. You know, like, how are we congratulating you for failing, you know? And it's like, I, I don't think we're fully there with Pat Riley because, to your point, they have the proven track record and they are continuing to win in spite of it, whereas Boston was, you know, messing around with Kyrie Irving and hitting a wall and, you know, the, the Gordon Hayward thing didn't go great and, and all this sort of stuff, but... As much as the Heat do have some laurels to rest on, I think that only goes so far. And I'm not sure what they're waiting for when Jimmy Butler is in his mid-30s. I think if they did not put everything on the table and make it clear to Portland that their best offer was their offer, that's a massive mistake. If they did do that and we have not heard about it yet and Portland just picked a different one, then I sort of wonder if... Joe Cronin is, you know, trying to be some sort of martyr for NBA, you know, player empowerment and all that stuff, which is somewhat of a different conversation. I don't know the full truth. I tend to lean toward what Brian Windhorst said, though, which is that this became less of a priority to Miami as time went on, and they just did not see it as something that needed to be done. I don't see that team as a top four seed in the East this year as a result, and I don't know why they would be okay with that. Well, then you have reporting out of Miami, uh, Anthony Chiang, who covers the Heat for the Miami Herald, had this tweet out earlier, the Blazers never re-engaged the Heat before accepting this offer from the Bucks, according to a league source. Not that the Blazers had to do this, but it's worth noting, the Heat learned of the trade when the news broke. And why would they? Why would Portland call Miami back and be like, you angered us all summer. We never really liked your offer. We're not sure even what's on the table, but here's a courtesy call. No, yeah, this was on Miami to get the thing over the finish line. Yeah, and to trade heroes somewhere if they had to to get more stuff and get it. Like, it is on and, the team to do this. It's on the team. Like, it's the like if the Knicks really wanted yeah. Mitchell last summer, you just, like, you go figure it out. And you, you be the team to call around on hero, right? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like, like maybe they, they were wanting Portland to figure out where Hero was going to go or just kind of like let things unfold. And I can't help but think if that's just a cockiness from Miami that it's like our players are valuable. W Lillard wants to come here. Like everybody else figure it out. This, this, is, this is destiny. It's like clearly it was not destiny. Let me ask you this. If you look at these two guard trades that came out of nowhere, you have two big market teams, Knicks last summer, Heat this summer, that didn't go all in. Yeah. Then, 
you have smaller market teams, I think, that have more pressure are the teams that essentially go on Cleveland for Mitchell, Bucks for, for Dame. Is there something, is there any lesson in that, that we have teams that are not these markets that I think they can assume that things are going to come to them are the ones out and going and getting stuff? Is there anything to that, do you think, as a, as a trend, as, as something to kind of consider here? I think more than anything, obviously there might be some like business and, and media and like inside baseball-ish reasons that market size isn't as important in the NBA as it used to be, or that players don't care quite as deeply about it as they may have in the past, or at least glamour franchises, right? Even like Kawhi choosing the Clippers and KD choosing the Nets once upon a time could be lumped in there. And there's a lot that goes into that. But the way that I, I really would boil it down more than anything, in my opinion, is just there's so much talent, right? So it's like mm-hmm. Milwaukee's inevitably going to end up with a Giannis. Cleveland is inevitably going to end up with a Darius Garland and an Evan Mobley because there's just so many damn basketball players that are amazing in 2023 that it's like they can't all possibly play for the Lakers and, and Knicks and Heat, you know? And so I think that's, to me, more more than anything, why those franchises felt like they could make an all-in move that maybe they wouldn't have in the past because they already had Garland, Giannis, Mobley, the Suns had Booker, you know, et cetera. So to me, that's it. But I don't know what you think because you kind of lived it. Well, I, I think I think I wonder if this will correct when these when maybe these stars that teams are trying to get don't actually leave in the way they want them to. You know? Like it's not inconceivable now that like Giannis like stays in Milwaukee or Embiid maybe doesn't go anywhere if they get Drew and they figure that out and like yes there, is there always another star yes but they're keeping they seem like they are keeping their powder dry for like yeah. the upper upper echelon star and they're being picky about like how far they're gonna go and those guys becoming available is like kind of not it's not up to them. Yeah, and I would say, too, the other underlying part is that maybe doesn't always get referenced, although you and I talk about it a lot, is the era in which those franchises, the Knicks, the Lakers, the the Heat, Heat are a little bit of a different example because they technically traded for the big three guys, but we know that they had the cap space. Um, Free agency doesn't exist anymore, really. No. Right? So it's like, yeah, I don't think the Bucks wherever i mean we know for a fact if lillard was a free agent this summer he would have signed with the miami heat right but he wasn't it was a trade so therefore obviously that just changes who has control over the whole thing in the first place i don't think we don't even donovan mitchell may well face a, a contract situation with cleveland and choose not to sign there like yeah and that'll prove I mean, it and, right so and then like that yeah. that's a and big part it, of it too and then cleveland i think is also in that spot where like i think in a year they can flip him and still get, I think, good value out of him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, mean, I don't yep. know if they'll get back exactly what they traded, but I think they could probably, I think they should aim to get more than, just considering his age, I think you should aim to get more than Portland got for a game. Honestly, I think you should, considering yeah. game's 33. Like, I think you should aim for that. And I think with the So Bucks, will Miami like, win round two of the uh, Mitchell sweepstakes? Unless they're like, hey, we still want Giannis, you know what I mean? Like, it... <laughs> Like, there's a real world where Mitchell, who's really good, just, like, isn't wanted by the bigger markets because they're, like, waiting for certain things, and he just, like, signs, like, a five-year max with the Cavs. It's, like, not inconceivable that that's where that ends up for him. Because he's really good, but he's not, like, 
overwhelmingly good in a way that clearly gets you into title contention based on what we know about him so far. And mm-hmm. like that, but that's a high bar. There's not that many guys that actually fit those parameters. Yeah, it's just crazy. I think with the Heat, it's. I would not feel great if I'm in that front office that Jimmy was irritated enough to embarrass himself on social media so, like that right right away because he's the guy I, where yeah. it's like you can be patient all you want i don't have one and i'm 30 in my mid 30s and i've done everything i humanly can do to get us over the hump and i came here to do that and like obviously we don't know what everybody prioritizes maybe playing in the finals multiple times and and coming that close is is plenty and i think butler's proven himself he doesn't need a ring like that conversation is stupid but it doesn't seem like he was thrilled with how things went today. No, uh, can't wait for Heat Media Day to see how him and Bam <laughs> and other guys start. I mean, what does Tyler Hero say? Like, God, he, like they, like it's now like yeah, Tyler Hero. Prob- he's gonna be. It's gonna be awkward because he's gonna be like, I thought I probably thought I was getting traded. Like that is like one of those questions in Media Day that I understand why it's uncomfortable to ask, but you just have to ask. Like, hey, did you think you were getting traded this summer? Is that why you took the Heat out of your Instagram bio and whatever? Yeah, they're in a they're in a bad spot, but they will give their you know mafia esque you know little one liners and coax everybody back into their corner, and the reporters will espouse whatever the message is going to be. Right? I mean, like the heat the heat are covered that way. So I think they at the end up. of the day, they what should. Butler says is is really like good. good that's going to be the thing. Right, him and Bam, him like, and Bam. It's him and Bam. Exactly. We will hear that everybody, everything's fine, and they're ready to compete. And well, we did it once last year. Who's to say we can't do it again? Just love for everybody to doubt us, and we'll show you all there, one I more mean, time. There, it's like, there are all right, but you could have done that with Damian Lillard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last thing, Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Brennan, uh, gotta tell you, I under, I like Nas, I like Nas Little. Uh, I like Grayson Allen. I like the wings, but it's like Kevin Durant going to have to play like 20 minutes a game at center now. Like, I don't exactly understand. So I don't, I understand like being unsure about Aiden. I, th- this feels like really selling low on Aiden to some degree to be like, Hey, Yusuf Nurkic, who hasn't been good in a couple of years. You're now our, essentially our starting five. I, I don't, is there like, what am I missing here? Like, is there money reasons behind this? Is there another move to come? Like, what do you read as, as what's going on here? Well, no, I mean, there's really no move left, so there's no other move to come. I think this was selling low on Aiton compared to the fact that we know, for instance, two years ago, a year and a half ago, they had conversations about DeMontis Sabonis, right? Like, it is it is compared to that. I think it's it's actually better value than I would have ever guessed that they could get, well... It's a, a a more exact like accomplishing of their goals than I thought they were going to be able to do like the day of the Bradley Beal trade, for instance, because the Suns, there this is this is very money related, and as boring as that is, it's actually instructive of how the second apron is going to affect the NBA. The Suns are like the first team on the hamster wheel of it, and we're already seeing how it's affecting their thinking. Even if Matt Ishbia gives interviews saying I'm going to spend whatever it takes, like you have to adjust. This is the last year that the league gave teams who got stuck over the second apron when it comes to trades to kind of create a landing pad for themselves. So starting next summer, 
teams can't take back more than they send out in trades if they're in the second apron at all, not even $1. For everybody else, it's 125%. And I think in the new CBA, there's some versions where it can actually get higher than that. Mm-hmm. This year, it's 110%. So it's like this little golden parachute that that the league provided. And the Suns took advantage of that in this trade. They also would not, as start at the start of next offseason, the first day after the start after the season next year, been able to aggregate salaries, which they also did. Tamani Kamara, who, you know, you joked that you didn't know who that was. Like, maybe you weren't joking. I don't know. He was their 52nd overall pick this year. And so they would not have been able to combine those two guys in a trade if they had done this next summer. So they were in a little bit of a crunch to do to do something. They obviously, basketball-wise and, and culturally, did not believe in Aiton. I mean, everything that they've done for years now proves that. The last coach didn't get along with him. The, the new coach claimed that he, he would, and Frank Vogel never is going to get that chance, and the organization was just out. So they, they, they telegraphed from the minute they traded for Beal that the, they would explore opportunities to break Aiton into multiple... Role players, multiple mid-level salaries, which they had zero of prior to this. So now they have Allen to flip. They have little to flip. Even Keon Johnson is going to make $4 million next year. And then obviously Nurkic has two years left. And I think it's like 19 next season for him. So they have all these smaller things when they, so they will be able to do the one for one trades. So they get a little deeper. They get a little younger. They get a little more perimeterally oriented and offensively oriented. And they have the much less pressure from the CBA to act. They're kind of in a comfort sweet spot where they're not going to mess with Booker Durant and Beal, but they have a little bit more flexibility with everything else right in time for the hammer to really come down with that second apron. So that's the best that I can explain why they did this, but you're absolutely right that regardless of how much sense that part might make, and I can walk you through it, Yusuf Nurkic at your center spot for a team that wants to win a championship with Drew Eubanks, Chemezi Metu, and Bol Bol behind him is a massive gamble. And if if Nurkic just is not playable or cannot execute what they need him to do, this move will be a failure, even though all the second apron stuff obviously is there. That's that's my uh I mean there's no there's no way around that. Yeah, I got nothing out of that. I think I have a lot of questions about this team center rotation now. But I think we can save that for the Suns preview. Um, and we're seeing when that comes up. I think that's where we leave that. Um, all right, Brendan, ask you this as we go. Just give me a team name. If you had to pick your your pick right now to win the NBA title, this won't be our official season predictions. We'll do that before the season's over. To you to say right now, post-James Shirt, who is winning the 2024 NBA championship? Who are you picking? Um, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I was, I'm going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Just we're kidding. just, we're at the end of the day, we're just Jokic simps and, uh, you know, have fully been, you know, uh, baptized at the, the altar of, of, of yeah, the Joker. We're, 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 we're just watching them. Like he watches horse races, you know, that's, that's the vibe over here. I will tell you, I did for about two minutes while we were recording this, try to come up with like an MPJ for Drew fake trade. Hmm. Well, didn't they almost, they were kind of in the Drew sweepstakes the first time, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I'm just like, huh. Hmm. Just yeah. thinking about that. Thinking about that a little bit. I don't think you really can do it, but I think about it. No. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I think 
it's going to be a very top heavy season, I think, in a way that last year wasn't because Denver's not going anywhere. And then Phoenix and Milwaukee both, I think, have separated themselves from the pack a little bit. So it will be there will be parity. But I think the the moves we saw this offseason, I, I do think that there is a clear top tier. So I like that personally. Yeah. I, I like that. It's like yeah. these teams are really the cream of the crop. And we'll see if anyone can break in rather than last year. It was like, is anyone really good? <laughs> Well, and I think also even that tier below, I think a lot of those teams have gotten better to some degree. I think the Knicks should sure. be really good. I think the Cavs made moves that will make them better. I think, well, we'll see about Philly. I think the Lakers are like... Warriors, be Lakers, really, yeah. Yeah, like I think... The, well, and the Kings, like I don't think the Kings have done anything mm-hmm. that suggests they're going to take a step back and maybe they just get a little more unlucky or something. But like I think sure. we're going to have some really classes of good teams, even if they're... I agree with you that there's a t- clear top tier. Mm-hmm. I think there's also like a really competitive tier right below that. And then it's going to be about how who can any of those teams, the second tier elevate themselves and can how competitive is the middle? How good? And then the what middle? happens when the Thunder make the conference finals? Look, Thunder, a Thunder Nuggets conference finals. Let's go. Sure. Or Thunder Suns. My heart okay, says well, one thing. My brain says a different thing, Chris. I'm just, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But I, uh, yeah, I'm conflicted. Chet, I'm picking the nuggets, Chet, but it's it's no coincidence Chet, that I waited an hour so no one hears it. Look, uh, Chet versus Nurk in the conference finals is the center <laughs> matchup I think we're all demanding. It's the battle everybody's waiting for. Yeah, that, that's what the yeah. season's headed toward. Actually, but like that. Actually, if I was going to be an optimist about that, you tell me that's like the one matchup Nurk can't just like beat the crap out of Chet for like <laughs> yeah. five games? Yeah. He's the hero of, of, of the Valley of the Sun for a week. I'm ready. Yeah, everyone's just got Bosnian flags. They're like just, just ready to rock. All right, let's end there. Here's our emergency Dame pod. We'll be back tomorrow previewing the Atlanta Hawks, the Timberwolves, talking to maybe a playoffs. The train does not stop here in just basketball. We'll talk to you all next time. Enjoy the hoops and get pumped to watch Dame play for the Bucks. It's going to be fun. Basketball's almost here. 